Do you want your science fiction with heart? How can that happen? That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. And welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor, Kathy McCrum. Kathy is just a lovely woman who I've gotten to know very well over the past several years. I'm so excited to announce that she is the Chrissy Award finalist debut and speculative fiction nominee for Recorder. And then for Recorder, she also was the Realm Award finalist for the debut category and science fiction and book of the year as well. So she's had a lot happen to her in the last year or so. I'm so glad she's back. You may remember we talked to her when we talked about life as an introverted writer, because we were doing some comparisons between extroverted writers and introverted writers. And so she's back again, and she's going to help us understand science fiction with heart and why that is important. I can't wait to talk to her in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net Click on that pink follow button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on today. Kathy, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. It's good to talk to you again. It's so wonderful to have you. You know, I always enjoy when you come on board. But this particular topic I find rather interesting because it's from one of your reviews that you received from Publishers Weekly. Tell us about that. Well, Publishers Weekly said that fans of science fiction with hard science fiction with heart should snap this up. And that kind of got me because one of the things I want to do is I want to write stories that do have heart, that do have a connection with, to form connections with people. Science fiction, generally speaking, tends to have a more sterile atmosphere. It's about the world building, the setting, the plot, and the people who all interact with it are characters in a more monumentous play. What makes Recorder and Aberration so different? Recorder and Aberration are, are more character-driven than they are plot-driven. The, the setting is important. The plot is important. I do put a lot of research into the science. Not that I'm claiming this is going to go on any science bookshelf at the university, <laughs> anywhere. But the main story is a story about people. People matter. And this is kind of working through a lot of One of the characters in Recorder says that whether you are stardust or whether you're creation, you are unique. And there's only one of you in the entire universe. And I think that's a fact that I want to celebrate in my books. I think it's important for people to feel as if they're not just an insignificant part of the story, that they are significant to the story wherever they are in it. And I like the fact that you use that in Recorder and Aberration. But I want to talk about the importance of including this element in science fiction. Just in your personal opinion, what do you think dominates science fiction in the general market or in the faith market? 
Well, I think a lot of science fiction revolves around, as it, as it should, revolves around science. It's like an extrapolation of what we have now, what could happen in the future. And that actually can be a really good place to play with what we have right now and to draw attention to the fact that humans are humans, no matter what century you find them in. I think that the, you're a Star Trek fan. I certainly am. Yes. I think that there were some episodes like the the original Star Trek that really struck me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And you'll know the episode right off the head, uh, off the top of your head. I know I can't ever remember the names of them, but the one where there's these two guys and they're the only ones left of, of their whole planet. Let that be your last battlefield. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they took that topic and the fact that vitriol they held for each other destroyed the brotherhood that they should have had that their differences, they focused so much on their differences that they couldn't see their brotherhood, their unity. And that, I think, was a very important topic at the time. But it's universal because it's taken out of the now and it's put into another place where you can look at it from all angles and you can turn it upside down and around and sideways and backwards or inside out and look at why that happens. So science fiction and fantasy too, but science fiction, because it's an extrapolation of what we have right now, becomes a bigger place to look at the flaws and the strengths that we have individually as humans and as a, as a human race. I think you bring up a good point with that particular episode because you can extrapolate from that episode and just take it up another notch, as you were saying. With that episode of Star Trek, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, for the crew of the Enterprise, they had never seen two skinned creatures before. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> wow. and, they look, and from the outside looking in, they're, they're the same. Exactly. But they were so consumed with their own differences that they missed the whole unity. And at the end of that particular episode, if you haven't seen it now, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Um, they go back to the planet and the planet has been completely destroyed. And so they both beam down to the planet and you're left with the idea that they're going to just kill themselves on the planet because all they had left was their hate for each other. Right. I remember one of my mentors saying that they watched that show back in the day and it got people talking, which is the whole point of having science fiction with that heart to really go to the human aspect or the, the gentler things about life that we don't always focus on. Do we let our differences destroy us or do we let our unity bring us together? Those are really important topics. I think nowadays science fiction tends to lead away from that because mm-hmm. it wants to have more of a social message or a political message as opposed to making people the center of that message. What do you think? I think that's a fair point. And I think as well, that's where a lot of science fiction um, loses my interest. Sorry, hashtag spoilers. Because instead of talking about like the human condition, we're now sermonizing about a social condition. Very few people like to be sermonized, just, you know, on the whole. But I think if you take that that conflict and you boil it down to what really matters, then you have a depth and a richness to the story that just saying, you know, well, I don't I can't even think of a ridiculous made up thing in my head that I could. But I was thinking about the Netflix series. I didn't watch it. It was with the little boy with the antlers and he was like a deer hybrid. And I started to watch it. But Really nothing happened, but they try to work with the camaraderie of the three main characters. I think his name was Sweetheart. 
it may be Sweetheart, I think. I can't think of it. But I, I didn't see I it. I think so. the name was Sweetheart. And it was about a boy who had antlers. These babies were born. They had animal parts. They would be hunted down. And so here's this freak of nature in this dystopian society bringing people together because he looks different. So that was a good kind of sci-fi, it was more dystopian, but kind of sci-fi aspect. And you don't know why this boy has antlers. That was one thing that happened. Like some kids had antlers, some kids had pig snouts and they're supposed to be cute, but they really weren't to me. <laughs> like, oh, look at the cute little boy with the antlers. Didn't work for me, but whatever. <laughs> so it's based off a comic book actually. But they try to add that human aspect to the story. I think the human aspect of any story is what really gives it heart. And I think that, the, like you're saying, the, the value of taking something and putting it in a different location or a different world or a different time gives you a chance to reflect on it differently. And in a way, it's a lot safer to discuss and to go over than it is to have it now that I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else, but it makes sense to me. No, it makes sense because if you can put it in a future context, then it's not something that we are talking about in this day and age. We're talking about a possibility happening far away from me, so it makes it safer to go. I was also thinking about that series on Netflix. I think it's called Another Life. And they are on a ship going somewhere and this alien artifact comes to Earth and the people are involved. But one of the things that the alien says that where you people are so destructive, we want you to not to probe the universe. And we're like, screw you. (laughs) We're going to do what we're going to do. It doesn't matter what our condition is. We're going to be explorers. So I like that aspect of it. So we talk about heart. We're not just saying it has to be all angsty. Oh, no. What are we talking about when we want to add that more depth to our science fiction? For me, it's a matter of connecting and finding the value in an individual and just kind of finding the fact that, you know, we all each are fearfully and wonderfully made. I fall in on the created side of the spectrum, but each one of us is unique. And that means each one of us has a unique thing that we can add. And just dismissing that or, or excusing it is really puts the whole of, a, whole of our collective humanity at a loss. And uh, to me, a lot of science fiction with heart, I've read several books that I, to me qualify as science fiction with heart. It's that human ability to, to love and to sacrifice I'm not talking necessarily, you know, teenage love triangles and what that has been done ad nauseum. Yes. Teenage love triangles. And, well, you know, I like love triangles to an extent, to an yes. extent. I like love triangles. I won't lie. I'm not trying to diss on the love triangles because, you know what, they can be really interesting. For sure. But that's not what I mean. I don't mean it doesn't necessarily have romance. It's the children who stand up for each other. It's the adults who are willing to sacrifice for the children. It's people learning to see past their own prejudices and to find the uniqueness and value in other people. The thing about science fiction, too, is that we love to discover the what ifs of Mm -hmm. a particular scenario. What if giant cockroaches? Okay. And that's in her book, guys. (laughs) Giant cockroaches in the book. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. In Recorder, when you were creating this nameless, in the first book, this nameless heroine, you wanted her to be an observer of human condition. And what are those things that she observes as she's going around her, her mission? What are those things that she observes about people that you think when Publishers Weekly said people looking for science fiction with heart would love Recorder, what are some of those things that she picks up on? She sees that she sees the hurt. 
people don't think that she sees them. She's not the best communicator and she doesn't really have a, a vocabulary for emotions. She's not. Technically, I suppose she's a cyborg because she has a chip in her head, but she's fully human. And she's around these other people who are also human, but they don't see who she is. And she sees that gap. And what she wants more than anything else, I think, is is kind of captured in the prologue where she says, I, I did not have a name. None of us did. But once when I was young, I had a friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that that deep need for connection is what she sees from the outside. And she doesn't believe that she's really worth it because no recorder is. And that sets her apart. And she's looking at these things and, and there's some of the things that she wants. And then her recognizing, beginning to recognize relationships and beginning to really just crave the connection with other people, but at the same time, having to, for their safety and for hers, to isolate herself. So that, I think that just creates a a really interesting pull and push in the character. I think another aspect too, when we are talking about it, and in romance, this is something that we come across all the time. The relationship is very important to the whole story. In science fiction, that is not as centered on that. But these relationships do build around the greater happenings of the plot. So in Recorder and in Aberration, she is meeting people and she's slowly starting to feel. And it could be frightening for someone like that when you have feelings and you're numb to suddenly begin to experience them again. I think having Recorder with this sort of trauma in a way for being from numb to being a feeling person again, I think that... It's something we've all experienced. That adds that heart element to science fiction. When we can have the reader relate to circumstances, we have also dealt with too. Right. And I going back to something you said, just made remember what I, you know, it's like memes that circle all over the place. But it's not, people who read science fiction, they, they in general, I mean, there are always exceptions to the rules. But you're reading the science fiction because you want that fantastic world. You want that hint of, wouldn't it be possible? Would it be possible if, or that's cool. What would happen if, but what really gets to you is like his father loved him after all, you know, (laughs) if that's what really gets to you, you, you might remember the cool spaceships and the battles and the, and the giant aliens and the, Oh gosh, the, the kaijus that come out of the ocean, whatever. But what really gets to you at the end is the relationship. And that's one of the things that made this book so important to me to write because I I had a hard time finding that when I was, I worked at a library and I'd come home with more books than I could ever read. But I had a hard time finding a science fiction book where there was that connection and that yearning for relationships. And that's universal. I don't think that any of us, well, maybe a few, don't want that. They don't want, people want closeness. They want to find a place to fit in. They want to find their family if they don't have a family, found family and everything. They want to find love. And that is, I I think that sometimes in science fiction, there's a lot of science fiction that's driven by a social commentary rather than that heart cry. And there's a lot of science fiction that's driven by just simply this is science and this is fiction. And what happens if, you know, you're stranded on Jupiter? Not that you could be stranded on Jupiter, but you know what I'm saying. It would be cool if we could be stranded on Jupiter because the winds would probably rip us apart. But for that one instant, we can say that we were there. (laughs) Hey, I was on Jupiter before I died two seconds later. Before I died two seconds later, right? Yeah. But I love the analogy because I think 
what science fiction does very well is show the explorer in all of us. That's why yes. we want those fantastical worlds. I was thinking of how Elon wants to go to Mars in a couple of years. And imagine the people who are going to be selected for that mission. And they're going to, if this works, <laughs> they're going to go to Mars and two-year travel flight there from here to Earth, two and a half years, I think, it takes to get there. And then imagine being the first person to put your foot on a barren world. How exciting is that? How interesting would that be, that explore, that my footprint is on another planet? How exciting. But then you want to add the other parts to it. And I liked the movie The Martian. I thought it was an excellent movie, but I felt there was something missing. And they were all about getting him back home. And they had to use scientific method to get that to happen. People had to make sacrifices because the ship had to turn back around to go get him which is going to delay their return home more. So it did show that human aspect. But a lot of things that happened in The Martian is that we didn't get, we got a chance to see this man on a barren world by himself alone. And only through happenstance, someone happened to look up and say, wait a minute, there's someone walking on Mars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and that led this whole thing. So there was a lot of human heart in there, but there were some aspects of the movie I felt were sterile. And that's because they kind of focused on just the human part of the people getting him back home as opposed to his inter internal narrative. Right. His internal monologue. I thought they could have did better with that. What do you think? Well, I haven't seen The Martian. I know. I know. How could I write science fiction and not have seen The Martian? Oh, no, you don't have to see it. But oh, I yeah, but you know, my, of it. <laughs> one, one, one of my kids is telling me, mom, you have to read this book. So I'll get there. I'll get there. But OK, so like Apollo 13, right? That's historical. It's not science fiction. But let's just shove that into the future. One of the things about Apollo 13 that really as, as a film that really got to me was there's the family waiting. And it's not just a matter of will he survive, but there's this family waiting. And that like it's not just a matter of of, you know, can I do this math in my head? Well, first off, they did the math in their head. And what? Mm -hmm. This is why I have a calculator. <laughs> but at the same time, that gave the urgency of coming back home. It was like more than important. It was more than just his life. It was his relationships and it was his connections with his family. That's one of the things that that drove the movie for me. And that's that's as close as I have to The Martian right now. So. No, but it's still a good thing. Like I said, the Martian was very good, and they did really capture the human aspect of it. People wanted to bring this guy home because he's all alone on a barren world. The cinematography was excellent. You really thought he was on Mars. Like, we have a camera on Mars right now. They're filming. <laughs> That's how good <laughs> the cinematography was in that movie. And so as we get ready to kind of close out the scenes, because it's just a simple discussion about science fiction with heart, I want to read the excerpt from your review from Publishers Weekly. And it says, McCrone's stirring debut and Children of the Consortium Trilogy launched features an unusual nameless heroine who was gifted to a totalitarian far future government in utero to become one of its recorders, mentally implanted drone controlled thought police who, deprived of all human emotion, observe, report, and assess the activities of other citizens. Her first assignment after completing training is a space station rescue mission that goes horribly wrong. Most of the station's occupants are already dead, and the drone that controls the heroine is destroyed by a giant cockroach. Remember, guys, leave him alone. Leaving her vulnerable to forbidden emotions, she begins to feel for the civilian members of the rescue crew. And then we're going to skip down. McCrum 
achieve a fascinating coming-of-age story in a convincing far-future technical milieu containing credible characters with consistent and powerful motivation. Readers looking for hard science fiction with heart should snap this up. And I hope you do, dear listeners, by go ahead and get a copy of Recorder and the second book in Children of the Consortium trilogy called Aberration, which continues the story of our heroine here. Now, when you hear, heard that the first time you heard that, Kathy, what were you thinking? I think my brain went blank. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled on it by accident and I didn't know it was even going to be there. And I just kind of, I, I think I just stopped breathing for several seconds and um, I probably cried. It's what I do. The hobby. It's my super host. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I had hoped to write. Something that had a a connection with people but yet had science fiction and it I don't really think of it as hard sci fi because I feel like hard sci fi is more driven by the plot and not driven by the character. Mm-hmm. And this is very character centric. I used to tell people that oh gosh, what did I say? This was dystopian sociological science fiction. But that makes me sound like I'm trying to be smarter than I am. No. But it is it is very much a matter of her beginning to accept who she is. And But at the same time, she's discovering she is. She's always been that person. She's always had that value. She's always had these internal motivations. She's never had the opportunity to, to use them before. And so reading that review was just, yeah, I, I probably cried. <laughs> it's a beautiful review. An aberration, the second book in the trilogy, is no different. So what I want to do is make sure our listeners go ahead and get their copy of Recorder and Aberration. Now, Kathy, in the few moments we have left, you know the show is always about encouraging authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up a pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage those aspiring authors out there today. Okay, first off, do it. Just write. That, that wasn't helpful, I know. I didn't have a computer when I wrote Recorder. I wrote it all on my Kindle and I would email it to myself. Don't allow any limitations that you might have in what you're doing right now to squash those dreams. If you have a story inside of you, let it out. And not everybody writes the same way. If, if you write best to an outline, bless you. You just do that outline thing. I have no idea how you do it. It's magic. Don't let, and if people tell you and you, and you write by the seat of your pants or you discover the world as you go. Don't let somebody tell you, oh, you need to write an outline. No, yeah, you'll have to go back and edit it. <laughs> so, so just write. You are unique. You're the only person who can write this story. And somewhere out there, I believe, I truly believe there is somebody who needs the story that you have inside you. And the only way that you can serve them is to get it out. It's work. It's hard work, but it's worth it. And you can do it. I can't think of a better way to end our show today. And for those of you who want to know more about Kathy, simply go to her website, kathymccrum.com. That's Kathy with a C and then McCrum, M-C-C-R-U-M-B.com. And you'll see it right at the header, Kathy McCrum, Science Fiction with Heart. Kathy, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Really enjoyed having you. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. That would be fantastic. It's been great being here. Thank you. 
And we were talking today to Kathy McCrum. She is the author of the Children of the Consortium Trilogy. Books one and two are out. Book three coming up next year will be out, too. Can't wait to get a taste of that. I know you're going to like her books because she does have a very wonderful way of writing. Even the reviewers at Publishers Weekly called it lyrical, beautiful, poetical, because she knows how to write because she writes with heart. Is that something you want to do? Do you want a gentle, a science fiction? Do you want to show mercy in the middle of a hard fantasy? Do you want to bring horror with a little bit of spirit to it? How do you write with heart? Well, we won't know if you don't write. So go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.